This is News from the Peak. I'm Joe Mamlin. it's fat bear season again and you know us we don't miss a chance to talk about bears only on news from the peak will you get to hear from artist and bear management tech carl ram one of our frequent guests and a great friend of the show who saw many of this year's fat bear contenders in action this year as part of his work at brooks camp in alaska's katmai national park On this episode, Carl talks with us about the challenging year he had at Brooks Camp, and we hear some updates on some of our favorite bears, and of course, our favorite bear manager. We do talk about Fat Bear Week and Fat Bear Junior, but if you really want to participate in that, after this episode, please check out the links on our website, or visit explore.org to see the bears in the running and cast your votes. Fat Bear Junior Week begins on September 29th, and Fat Bear Week for the Adult Bears starts on October the 5th. Again, that website is explore.org to see the bears and cast your votes. So if you like bears, or if you're just a fan of Carl, you're going to love this one. So stick around, and we'll be right back. back because I follow along on Carl's. Um, they're not very often because you, oftentimes you're remote and you can't keep us updated, but you've had a lot of activity, had a very eventful uh, season. So I just thought it would be interesting to kind of touch base and see when we last left off what's been going on. Well, um, yeah, uh, so a whole new season. Uh, I It's a little bit of a broken up season for me because I ended up um, uh, coming down with COVID, uh, my symptom while I was at at, uh, Brooks Camp, my symptoms kicked in uh, right at the end of probably the craziest, most difficult day I've had at Brooks Camp, or certainly one of of the most. Um, Went home uh, for several weeks, came back, did another week, and then came back in uh, to do my usual tour in September. However, that was cut a couple of days short because of uh, an injury that um, I got while hazing a couple of bears out of camp. And uh, that just kind of built up as I put in the miles. You know, I probably don't really know what my miles are, but probably between uh, eight to 14 miles a day, maybe more. Um, 
chasing bears. And so I uh, left a little early because of that. But yeah, it was a very, very interesting, very uh, eventful uh, year this year. It seems like um, of everyone I know, uh, you need to wear the uh, Apple Watch so you can close all your rings every day. <laughs> Managing bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would. It would actually be uh, fun to know. Um, I would love to have one of those little uh, Garmin GPS ones, uh, uh, trackers, just to know what kind of miles I put in. Uh, my biggest mental struggle is actually on busy days is just remembering um, what bears I've got, I got out of camp when, because I have to fill out what we call BMRFs, bear management, management report forms uh, about every incident where we either keep a bear out of camp or uh, get it out of camp if it's gotten in, or we sometimes have to move bears that are um, kind of blocking human traffic. We don't move them right away, but uh, they get a grace period. But after the grace period, we move them. I think you may have seen a couple of the videos of uh, Eric and other bear tech and I moving uh, bears to um, uh, kind of uh, get the flow of traffic, of human traffic going again. Uh, with uh, we, Eric uh, has a, a new bear hazing tool that we're using this year that we got from McNeil River Sanctuary, which is uh, an Alaska state uh, bear viewing area, uh, an excellent bear viewing area. And it's uh, a pan with rocks in it. Um, <laughs> it. It actually works pretty darn well. And when I have my two uh, sticks that I use for hazing bears, uh, it's a pretty unbeatable combination. So, <laughs> what kind of pan are we talking about? <laughs> it's a, a Brooks Camp aluminum cooking pan, you know, kind of cheap. Very uh, sophisticated. It's, yeah, we're a high tech team. What can I say? Well, um, and sorry to sorry to jump jump in, but <clears throat> I just think that's really interesting that you have forms to fill out. And I think for the for the government workers that listen to our podcast yeah. who are romanticizing, maybe I could go be a bear management person and yeah. get away from all this nonsense. <laughs> Apparently, the nonsense <laughs> follows you, so that's <laughs> comforting in a weird way. Kind of comforting to know that there's paperwork involved. Well, and I love that you said that, Joe, because I was thinking about um, the bear management reports. Sounds like the TPS cover sheet from Office Space. But <laughs> well, most of most of the all the other techs except for me um, have um, iPhones or not iPhones, but you know smartphones that they enter their uh, reports in. You can't actually communicate by phone out there, but you can fill out your bear management report forms uh, with them. I'm, I started off, I, I'm now more or less in the world of smartphones, having been drug into it, but uh, <laughs> I still fill them out by hand. Uh, and it's not actually, uh, this year wasn't super busy. In years when it's really busy, I, who knows how many reports we actually have time to even enter. Um, but we do have uh, report forms that say what time it was, how many bears were involved, how many people were in the area, um, what the bear was doing, what we did with the bear, um, you know, uh, fairly basic things like that uh, to try to get some idea of, of what bear management at Brooks Camp looks like in, in, in the big picture, at least so people who don't actually do it every day have some, some sense of it. Well, you know, and you should think about uh, the the bear management reports going to Form Factory if if there's any need there for <laughs> David David's expertise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, you know, it's interesting. A, a friend of mine who um, is as a criminology background 
uh, was dying to see one of the forms. <laughs> she was out there this year um, and she's kind of probably scheming for ways to make it uh, a better system. And there probably, it would actually probably not be a bad thing to have it uh, reviewed outside. I think uh, the, the big problem continues to be getting a kind of a data set that's actually representative um, when you're flying from one bear uh bear problem to the next to the next but fairly quiet year this year in spite of the fact that there was a i assume um maybe another record year uh with bear numbers on the river and if not there were still certainly quite a few quite a lot of bears on the river though not particularly many in camp um which uh, then you would think that they would kind of be those two things would be tightly related but they're they're not necessarily so for those that didn't um listen to our other two two or three mm -hmm. air podcasts right. which they should but if they <laughs> haven't can you remind us how bears are named and why they're named or you know like how you come up with the numbering system sure um so there is a one of the kind of broader bear team uh maybe not the bear management team in the sense of being the bear bouncers, bear wranglers. Um, but one person, um, Tammy Carmack, whose job it is to monitor the bears on the river. And she has three different positions. Uh, I, I know of three, and I think there are only three, um, uh, along the river that she moves uh, from one to another. She has a particular schedule and she um watches the bears and she looks to if she sees a bear and thinks okay i i'm pretty certain that i haven't seen that bear before and i believe that the way the system goes is if she's seen that bear three times and she's sure that it's the same bear that she doesn't know um, who it is and that she's seen it three times it will be given a number and the numbers you know I'm not sure what the, not really all that directly related to my job, but I think we're probably like in the 100s or 200s this year. So one year is the 100s, another year is the 200s. And she just picks a number that some other bear doesn't have at the time. And regarding names, um, in the past, the system more or less has been that if a name just naturally results for bears, um, then they would record it and that would become basically the official name is. Um, the subject of bear naming at Brooks is kind of controversial and some people like it, some people don't. I like it, um, but uh, the, uh, I don't even know if they're kind of being given names right now, but on the, in the webcam community, they're get, being given names and usually bears have five or six names. So, which is one reason why I, I think the park should continue with names because if the park gives a name, basically the bear ends up keeping just that name, it doesn't end up with seven or eight different names like is uh, sometimes the case with, with the bears that don't have official names. So I'm looking at the fat bear junior mm -hmm. uh, and it looks like we got some triplets on there, which mm -hmm. as a mom of twins, I'm kind of partial to that bracket. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are going to be. <laughs> yeah. Any, um, so it looks like a few of these you already had met. Um, um, look at that. Right. Name. Yeah. So 94's uh, triplet. Sadly, she started off with four cubs, but lost one. Oh. Um, and uh, but still triplets. I mean, they were they were the stars. Um, 
they're the stars this year and they were certainly uh, stars in September. Um, and everybody, uh, when I first got to camp, she hadn't shown up yet uh, with, with the Cubs. She was off, I, I believe at a, a creek that's not a bad day's walk for bears called Margot Creek. Um, I think she was down at Margot Creek with them. Um, and uh, she showed up back, at, she showed back up at Brooks River with the four of them and immediately became the star of Brooks River for the rest of the time that I was uh, I was there. And uh, they're not, so I'm sorry? Their faces oh, they're so cute. Yeah, yeah, they're super cute. And, uh, and they're a happy family. I ha we had, <laughs> Eric and I had to move them one time along the beach because they were hold they'd been uh, keeping up, keeping some people from getting on their plane for over 30 minutes. And so we moved them. And what I told people, I, I dealt with them a little bit before that. And what I told people when we were about to move them, I said, don't worry about them being overly stressed. <laughs> They're not gonna be overly stressed. And there are quite a few videos of that incident floating around. And, and you can tell <laughs> the bear family is not stressed. The cubs were the least stressed. Uh, they were playing with stuff and goofing around and trying to show us that they're the tough cub and everything for the whole walk that we did along the beach. And yeah, they were not, they were not stressed, but they were just bothered enough that they moved, which is, which is kind of the perfect thing. So yeah, they're, they're a really, really great family. The cubs are small um, for being this old, but that's usually the case uh, when you have triplets or, you know, quadruplets as they started out because mom can only, you know, feed them so much, but they're definitely happy, spunky, uh, smart cubs. <laughs> is having multiples, um, and you've probably talked about this before, but is that standard? Is that pretty common to have multiple or triplets? Uh, triplets, I wouldn't, triplets or quadruplets, uh, I wouldn't say it's common, but it's definitely not unheard of. Some sows seem to do it more than others. Um, 402 seems to have a, uh, for example, seems to always have fairly large litters, whereas Holly, I don't, I'm not aware of Holly 435 as ever having had more than two cubs. Um, so it does seem, certain mothers seem to have more of a propensity for having um, larger litters than others. I would say two is average. I, you know, yeah. I don't, just from my observation. And uh, speaking of Holly, how is Holly and what was the, how is her season? Holly uh, started out the season. I was a little, yeah, I, I was a little worried about Holly at the beginning of the season, a little bit. I mean, she's getting to be an older bear. Um, and when she showed up, I could see her hips. Uh, I was thinking it was the first time I've ever seen, you know, kind of or looking old enough that I could see her hips. And she had some big, big scars, uh, almost not really scars, but wounds on her back. I'm sure they were from mating. Um, and she looked a little rough, but um, by the time I left camp, she was in her classic holly, <laughs> huge holly form. In fact, she um, really ended up uh, sleeping close, actually technically in within the bear management boundary of camp uh, this season. I didn't have the heart to kick, uh, kick her out because where she was sleeping, she wasn't uh, disturbing camp activities. So she's a very regular, very, as bears go, she's a very methodical bear and she'd go out and do her fishing during the day and she'd come back around the same time every night, sleep in her, her little spot. So yeah, she's, she's still a great bear. <laughs> and can you, uh, we've probably talked about this before too, but um, these, so these junior bears, when mm -hmm. they're at their fattest for the fat bear uh, week, 
is there an average that these guys are going to be gaining or what's their like fattest? Mm, well, it, you know, it depends on how old they are and it depends on, um, you know, whether this is the, well, by old, whether this is their first summer, uh, their second summer, or as in the case of 128s to 2.5 year olds, their third, um, you know, that that's going to create some variation in how much they put on. Also, how many they are, there are in the litter. So it's hard to say. I think um, a, like, let's talk about everybody's favorite, the little first year cubs, spring cubs, cubs of the year. <laughs> when they come out of the den, I think they weigh probably about 12 pounds. Oh, wow. Small. Yeah. I mean, when they're born, they're about two, um, wow. which is like babies, human babies being born, you know, in terms of less than a pound in ounces. Um, and when, by the time they go into the den, it's really hard to say, because again, it depends on how many are in the litter and, you know, just to some extent, just the moms, but some of those really big, um, spring cubs, kind of like nine tens, um, spring cub, gosh, I would think they must weigh 50 pounds anyway. Oh, okay. At least 50 pounds. Um, nine tens, Spring cub is a huge <laughs> is a huge spring cub, so that, that that's an exceptional cub. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to find I don't know sixty pounds. Okay, like that. it's a little hard to tell because in the fall they're just they're just uh, big floofs, right? They're just big fluffy balls of fur, and the fur makes them probably makes them look uh, yeah. a little bigger uh, than they really are. But uh, big fat cubs, I mean, they can put on a lot of weight. Whereas, like as a percentage of lean body mass, uh, 128s, 2.5 year olds who are getting a third season probably don't put on as much of a percent of um, body weight as the spring cubs do, but in raw poundage, they probably put on um, maybe even more weight. I mean, those guys are enormous. They're almost the size of uh, their mom. And it's, I should say too, that it's, it's quite unusual for a sow to keep um, her cubs for another season, uh, like uh, Grazer 128 has done with those guys. Oh, wow. Yeah, but I mean, it's a great advantage because no bears, <laughs> I mean, they're an unstoppable unit, right? That's super intimidating for, they're, they're essentially three adult bears when they're like yeah. that, you know, all as one unit. And I don't think any bear is gonna try to take them on when they're, uh a pack like that so it's um i mean it does have its advantages i it must be kind of rough for her to, to nurse them i don't even know if she is nursing them at this point but um yeah it's great combo <laughs> so was the national park was brooks camp uh full of people this season was the number of because right. it feels like every time we talk about this, it's in terms of bear management, but really it's about people management. So you can manage the bears so that the people can be safe. And um, so were there same amount of people, more or less? Or When it had the opportunity, it was super crowded this year. Um, the one kind of mitigating factor is that Brooks Camp is remote enough that you either have to get to it um, either by boat or by uh, float plane. And, uh, and those are very weather dependent. And especially the people who come out for the day, which uh, during the peak of July, 
make up most of the people who come to Brooks Camp. We had a lot of uh, low cloud ceilings. I think a lot of the passes through the mountains from Homer and from Anchorage were hard to get through. And the weather was, uh, like I said, it was very rainy and a pretty windy year. And so there were a lot of days when it was like old time Brooks Camp because very few people were getting in. The days when it was clear weather and little wind, um, it was it was packed, packed, packed. Um, but there were a surprising number of days when, um, because of weather conditions, it was uh, really quite uh, quite nice. Well, I guess I'd be curious about what other kind of like things stood out to you about this year. It sounded like, a, especially the early part of the season, was very active with males following females and creating problems and things like that. Right. Yes, that was that was unusual. That was definitely um, one of the most unusual things this year. For some reason, the breeding season at Brooks uh, lasted uh, very late. So usually by the time in July, early July, when things really get going courting uh, between uh, males courting females has really kind of dropped off by then. For my first week uh, there in July, it was, they were doing it all the time. Um, and one of the thing, one of the byproducts of a male following a female around, especially if there are a lot of bears in the area, otherwise is that those males are basically big bear plows um, because all the bears, except maybe for other males, are afraid of, um, big uh, dominant male bears. And so when these males will, are following the sows, they will just push every bear nearby ahead of them and they all flee. And I, one time um, on the edge of camp, I'd walk, followed a trail out of camp a little ways to see if there was a, a bear family still sleeping on that trail. And I looked down the trail and running directly at me were five bears of all different ages. <laughs> and, and I mean, blasting down the trail right toward me. And fortunately, I got off the trail just in time and they blasted into camp and I had to follow them. And I spent, you know, I don't know how long getting those bears out of camp, but they were getting away from a big male bear. And so, and the females this year seem to use camp as kind of an obstacle course to run these guys through. Um, What's smart. And, yeah, well, it, it, they're smart. It's kind of ambiguous sometimes what they're using, exactly why they're using as an obstacle course. I mean, one of the things that females are doing when the males are following them is just to kind of test. It's pretty clear that it's just kind of a test, kind of an endurance test or whatever. Sometimes though, it's also pretty clear that uh, they just want this guy to go away and they can't do anything other than to try to lose the male bear. And a lot of times it's kind of ambiguous and it probably shifts back and forth somewhat between the two. Um, but they seem they seemed to be using uh, weaving in and out of camp as a way to try to either test, uh, see uh, if they're really worthy or to try to get them off their back, which also then creates a big swirl of bears um, moving around camp. And that uh, very busy day that I had, that I mentioned earlier, involved, it, I wasn't dealing with the courting couples. I was dealing with another problem, but <laughs> at least one courting couple, maybe more. And I had to deal with um, I think it was nine tender cub, a salander cub, anywhere, a salander spring cub in camp. And I was trying to shield, she was trying to stay right at the edge of camp because she, I'm pretty sure, was afraid of the male bear in, being in the area. And of course, all this swirl of other bears around when she just kind of wanted to look out for her little cub. 
Um, and so, and of course, a small cub in camp is a human magnet as well for visitors. And so I spent an afternoon trying to shield them from other bears and other visitors, which doesn't sound like it would be exhausting, but it is exhausting because I was having to shift from one problem to the, another problem to another, deal with the human problem, then I have a bear come and sit right by the family group and then mom takes off after the bear tries to kill it. And then I chase it further to get it out of camp and then I have to go back and then the people are all starting to gather around again and they repeat, repeat, repeat while the rest of the bear team on the far side of camp is dealing with the sows and the males and uh, the, the chaos of all that. So yeah, I did uh, create some uh, pretty interesting times. You know, in my head, like you've got all this activity going on, but then sometimes you have moments of quietness where maybe it's not as crowded and you get a little chance to like, just sit back and actually watch the bears fish or do some of your art. Did you have any, was it all crazy or did you have any moments where you had some time to do some art or any reading okay. or? <laughs> right, I, I rarely get to do art um, at Brooks anymore. I, the, uh, the new bridge is, is actually in a lot of ways ideal for it, um, but it's, people tend to like look over your shoulder a lot when you're doing art and it's kind of a nonstop stream. I mean, people, it's well-meaning. I don't, I don't resent it, but it makes it hard to do art. And it's also a little bit of uh, a question that I get an awful lot is, um, especially because people tend to recognize me, you know, because I'm around camp doing bear because magic. of this podcast i'm sure they yeah. <laughs> obviously and um they'll come up to me and say oh are you doing research and i'll say no i'm sketching and they go oh <laughs> <laughs> so sketching does not have the status of, of research and and that's a little uh just another one of those little things so i don't really do that much R frankly i almost live in a monkish existence at brooks camp because bear, i'm old enough that uh for me at least um, bear management is a lot of work because usually I don't stop that much when I'm doing bear management. So I'm usually patrolling um, if I'm not immediately doing dealing with bears. And off duty, I, um, <laughs> I eat and sleep and write up my bear management report forms and uh, <laughs> that's my action lifestyle. <laughs> It sounds a little up up until the up until the bear management reports part. It sounded pretty much like a bear's life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Bears. I think bears uh, have the work life balance thing pretty well worked out. <laughs> they, they definitely don't have our um, our issues along that line. Uh, we seem to be the workaholic species of the world. Um, they, but we uh, don't know for sure that the bears don't have their own form of report, though. <laughs> and and grace peak strategies form factory can help them too sure. any any species with a report can come to us and we'll be happy yeah i, I i'm pretty sure uh anything that um if bears try to do anything social it's probably going to be very inefficient um uh because they're Definitely not in general a social species, although bears love to refute every generalization that I like to make about them like that. And this year was the year of um, 909 and 910, um, who are uh, their cubs being uh, part of the uh, bracket, um, 909's um, yearling and 910's uh, spring cub cover the year. 
And nine, even though their cubs are different ages, they are sisters from the same litter. And they were, uh, one of the two was the first bear I ever sprayed at bear camp, actually. <laughs> um, when when there was, she was a cub, it was one of the, actually one of the hardest charges I ever got from a bear at Brooks camp um, was by one of them when they were a cub. Their mom, uh, Beadnose, uh, was a very experienced sow by the time she had them and she kept them on a very long leash and they got into all kinds of mischief. Um, and so it's interesting to see how much they've stuck together and now they have cubs and they also seem to have kind of uh, long leash cubs, but uh, they've really, um, and not something I'd ever seen before um, and not something I ever expected to see, but they often will travel uh, together as a very tight group of four, um, which I assume somebody somewhere has seen that before, but it's, um, it's extremely rare and not something I've ever seen uh, before, before for them to form such a tight unit like that. And, and the cubs are completely comfortable with the other sow. Um, I mean, I've seen that a little bit like uh, Grazer's uh, last cub, uh, excuse me, not Grazer's, um, Holly's 435's last uh, single cub and 284's cub um, played together some, but they did not move around like a family group or anything like that. The sows would kind of keep their distance and watch their cubs play together. And that in and of itself was unusual. Uh, but 909 and 910 have been just kind of hanging out. And in fact, I had, to, uh, there's a video out there of me um, <laughs> running them out as a group uh, minus uh, 909's cub, Bobby is the name, uh, uh, at least unofficial Park Service Lodge name for that cub. Um, Bobby was elsewhere, but running the group, uh, the mass of them out. And one time Eric and I had to deal with them as a uh, mass, um, which is a very long and involved story, but uh, I never thought I'd see the day when I was running uh, with Eric running uh, two moms and two cubs out at the same time out of camp. It's a pretty amazing uh, sight to behold. And, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe it's worth um, talking a little bit about the Fat Bear Week specifically, mm, sure. uh, and then and then Fat Bear Week Junior doing a little bit of uh, you know taking on the tough job of prediction. Um, <laughs> oh, so yeah. so maybe we'll just kind of step back. Yep, exactly. So Fat Bear Week, I am uh, just as a uh, a slight disclaimer. I am from uh, the bear management department, which does not really um, have any direct involvement in fat, uh, in the fat bear week. We're all bear fans and we all keep track of it. And we do have a little uh, bit of an inside scoop to some extent because we deal with these bears um, in, a, in a direct way. Uh, so some of the specifics, uh, they're like exactly what year it started, I'm, I'm not sure. It's uh, certainly been around for at least a, four years now and seems to, it gets bigger every year. And it um, is done in a um, uh, bracket style. What was they call it? March Madness style, I think is the term I hear for it. And so uh, starting last year, we also had the Fat Bear Junior competition where a, a uh, cub or this year, uh, potentially a um, litter of cubs uh, joins the adult competition and it's getting a little more systematic year by year and so um, the uh, bracket for this year is known and it involves uh, 128 also known as grazer 
and her two 2.5-year-olds, um, which are the ones I mentioned earlier, who are um, kind of super cubs at this point. Normally, they'd be out on their own by now, but they're getting a uh, uh, an extra year. So in terms of raw poundage, uh, there's, there's certainly the undisputed champions in that regard. And they are going up against uh, 94's um, triplets that we mentioned, which uh, are, um, in terms of cuteness, uh, pretty <laughs> unstoppable. Um, and then, um, so that's one bracket. And in the other bracket, we have uh, 910, the um, sister of, uh, and her sister 909, and 910 spring cub, which is a uh, the essence of big, healthy, roly-poly uh, spring cub in the fall, uh, Brooks Camp healthiness. Um, and her yearling, uh, which is uh, officially nicknamed, uh, not officially, unofficially, or at this point maybe semi-officially uh, nicknamed Bobby. And that was actually started not by the park, but um, by the ramp dogs for the lodge. Ramp dog is the, the term for the guys who um, onload and offload all the Katmai uh, uh, Air um, float planes that uh, bring uh, some of the visitors or quite a number of other uh, air operators that go through there, but Katmai Air is the one that's most closely associated with the lodge. And uh, so those guys uh, got to know Bobby pretty well because Bobby was up and down the beach a lot and liked to uh, get into various uh, forms of mischief. However, it turns, turns out that Bobby is um, female and so it's now um, spelled B-O-B-B-I. And uh, I guess I would call uh, Bobby's claim to fame is just the, um, the lovable, uh, goofy, mischievous um, element. And, you know, Fat Bear Week, of course, is um, a celebration of bears getting fat. However, I think the um, usually unspoken secret behind Fat Bear Week is that it's really about which bear you like most <laughs> from, from the lineup. Um, I'm out of uniform, so I can say that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> well, and not totally unspoken because we said it on this podcast the last time. That, that's true. Yeah, this may be the only place out there, though, in the bear world that we can completely let down our hair and say that, which is one of the great advantages. Yeah. Um, so, known, I'm, I'm sorry? We're known for that, for being a place where people can let their hair down. Exactly. It's good. Yeah, we need that kind of thing in society. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if I were going to just kind of, um, I mean, I think that 94's triplets are going to be hard to beat uh this year i That's think if, we, if we're going to really look at this from a kind of sociological uh standpoint and just say how is the vote going to go yeah, i think that's 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 my bet for most likely and since no one's going to vote um against me out of spite like they might otherwise if they knew um i would say um yeah those guys, 94s, are going to win. However, I'm, I love those Cubs, but I'm probably going to go for the kind of the, not because it's objective, but just because I really like 910's Spring Cub, and I've had to kind of interact in a direct way with 910's Spring Cub. It's a spunky Cub, not overly aggressive, which is kind of a surprise given that family lineage. 
that this cub uh, comes from is <laughs> has some has been more than a little bit of a thorn in my side um, over the years. Um, <laughs> so uh, maybe this one is uh, kind of its own bear and is breaking with family tradition and just decided I'm going to be the nice cub. So <laughs> yeah, I'm going with nine ten sprint cub. Well, and look at that picture. Really, if if you're listening to the podcast, you need to go look at the picture because nine ten spring cub looks like it's smiling at you. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Looks happy. And it's funny too. There's, um, I saw a friend of mine um, gave me a copy of uh, a video of me uh, chasing um, nine ten spring cub and that and nine ten and nine oh nine nine ten sister with Bobby being elsewhere, we know not where, um, at the time, uh, chasing them out of camp. And it's fun to look at 909 and 910 as they are kind of running up the hill as I'm not running, I'm walking uh, behind them. And both of them are kind of looking at each other and waggling their heads and kind of enjoying the fun of being chased out of Brooks Camp. And I don't think that's me just kind of... Uh, being, uh, you know, projecting anything on any kind of human attitude. It's pretty clear if if you can tell when bears are playing at all that they're kind of playing, and it um, backs up something that I've kind of argued uh, in bear circles before is that I think I mean bears can switch emotional gears pretty quickly, and you're not going to get them to move if they aren't a little bit stressed. Um, but once we get them moving. I sometimes think there's a kind of Dukes of Hazard <laughs> thing that kind of kicks in with them, and they they have a little bit of fun, you know, outrunning the sheriff. A yeah, bit, they're sliding you know. over the hood of the. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, who knows how many people still even get a Dukes of Hazard analogy these days, right? But um, I think our listeners will know who the Dukes of. <laughs> well, and I want to go back to uh, you talking about that concept in bear circles and i'm just wondering i think we're three to four podcasts in can we be considered part of that bear circle now you know we we know holly we know the, you know we know these guys right. like <laughs> right if you know them you're part of that yeah i mean there are there are different bear circles and those um so um there and there is overlap in between those circles though it's not always um admitted um, so the uh, so there's you know the world of professional bear biology and then there's kind of the online bear fans world and um, sometimes at least with kind of the professional world there's a, a little bit of a little distancing there at least publicly um, in terms of like biologists and biotechs um, in private though <laughs> you know it's one of those little, you, uh, you can kind of tell that, that they are much more individual bear fans than they generally like to, uh, they like to let on. Yeah, well, they definitely listen to this podcast. We know that we've heard secretly from many of them. <laughs> ah, good, good. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. Well, it's always fun to it's always fun to catch up. I'm glad. Uh, I always look forward to your. Um, I know when you're in in the depths of Brooks because we don't hear from you, and it's always nice when you emerge out safely. And you know, not that you were unscathed this time, but um, always nice to know you're back on safe ground and uh, good to catch up and hear all the the gossip and the happenings. 
Well, thank you for having me on. It's always fun to talk with you guys. I always really, really enjoy it. Well, thanks again very much to Carl for taking time to join us on the show. And don't forget to check out explore.org to vote for your favorite bear. If you're new to this podcast, please subscribe as we have a lot more great episodes on the way and a lot of good ones in the archives. We'd love to hear from you and get your ideas and your feedback. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to us on the contact link on our website. News from the Peak is a project of Grace Peak Strategies and is produced by Maureen Life, David Ram, Robert Riddle, and me. You can find the podcast and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Radio Public. You can learn more about us at gracepeakstrategies.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Grace Peak, and we're easy to find on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. This was News from the Peak. I'm Joe Mamlin. Thanks for joining us. I think we're too much Hicks to be in Charlottesville, but... Uh, is that a thing? Can you... Are there, is there not enough farmer's markets there? They have two. Maybe you could start a third one. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a productive pick. What can I going to say? People selling pickles have, every time, the longest line. And people rush there get in line for pickles as early as they can it's like the strangest thing and i've had the pickles and they're fine but they're not waiting an hour line fine <laughs> i would say I, I would say it's not a the, your your pickle experience is not the universal farmer's market one i would say yeah. of course it may be about to be i don't know if, if someone develops a sufficient vocabulary for pickles and pickle aficionado becomes a magazine and <laughs> well when maureen gets on she'll probably try and talk you into some acreage in colorado too <laughs> uh, we've definitely looked i mean colorado has certainly been on the list but colorado is uh um, pretty expensive has a price commensurate with the quality of the lifestyle uh it seems for the most part hi maureen Sorry, I'm late. We were just talking about bears, and um, I was showing him. <laughs> well, I would expect no less. Right, right. That's <laughs> the point. <laughs> yeah. It has the softest, little fuzziest ears. Like you just want to mush its super cute ears and it. not deal with the consequences. Yeah, <laughs> put it in a baby Bjorn and carry it around. <laughs> I shouldn't do bears. They can't get COVID, can they? I know, like, you said you got COVID and... Right. I the question know. is, you put a Q-tip in their nose to check. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad you're okay, but the way you set it up and kind of the reason I was asking is I thought you'd been, like, attacked by a bear or something. Like oh, that. right. Yeah, I have to be... I always forget about that, right? And it is quite possible to be, without exaggeration, three feet from an adult male bear and not know it. <laughs>